Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome to The Family Room. I'm John Gordon, and I'm here with our co-hosts, Mari Cleveland. Hello, John. And Craig Wiesmeyer. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting show today. Here's here's why I say that because everyone's oh it's an interesting show. We're going to talk about woke, and woke is I don't know woke is kind of like liver. Either you love it or you don't want to be in the same county as it, right? And woke for Catholics and Christians is a particularly attractively difficult, terrible thing, because as Christians we have an affinity to be empathetic, Mm -hmm. to not oppress, or to not oppress people, to be empathetic with the oppressed. To offer freedom. To offer freedom. Mm -hmm. But inside of all of that, there are things that go against very fundamental Catholic and Christian principles, then you have to take a stand. And when we take stands as Catholics and Christians, be it on abortion, be it on woke, be it on anything, it's very easy to become our own version of woke, mm. where in our pointing out the wrong and oppressive and intolerance, we ourselves can become intolerant. Yeah. So our guest, I'm, I'm doing no favors for our guest. We're, our <laughs> guest is Teresa Mall, and Teresa has the dubious distinction of helping us navigate those traps, right? So we can we can lay out the thing. So we're going to get a definition. There's a lot of good information in here. So I'm anxious to get to it. But when we talked about that, I'm like, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it can be a scary topic, but it's an important topic. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of things around truth and understanding, but also just like you said, John, just us as Christians, we want to offer hope and freedom. Right. And so that's the theme that we'll be talking about within this as well is that, that offer of hope and freedom. But talk about hope and freedom. We want to start with prayer, which we always do. So, Craig, would you start us with an opening prayer before we introduce Teresa? Sure. I am the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time again. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for shining light into dark spaces. And we thank you for truth. Jesus Christ is the truth and the way. And we thank you for that. We thank you for bringing truth into these discussions because the devil's voice wants to take the good and twist it and turn it and pollute it and make it something that it's that it's not intended to be. And this conversation is about really returning back to the truth and what you intended, what you know justice is and what truth is. So we thank you for that. And we just pray all things in Jesus' name and ask for Mary's intercession. Amen. Amen. Father, Father Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. 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 So as John said, we have got with us today, Teresa Mall, and Teresa is a writer. It's one of her amazing gifts that she has. She has written for quite a number of different um, uh, publications over the years. Um, The New York Times, the Baltimore Sun, New York Post. Um, She's right now an assistant editor of the Spectator World and and a policy advisor for education at the Heartland Institute and a part-time editor of the Phillipsburg Journal. Um, She originally is from 
um, the Allegheny Mountains of Pennsylvania. She spent some time in D.C. Uh, she went to school out in Texas, and she is back in her um, coal mining uh, hometown back in central Pennsylvania again. So that's where she comes to us uh, from today. And we are thankful for you to be here with us. Teresa, we're going to be talking with you about your new book called Woke Proof Your Life a handbook on escaping modern political madness and shielding yourself and your family by living a more self-sufficient, fulfilling life. So welcome to the family room. Thanks for Thank you here. for having me. I'm delighted to be here. So one of the things that I think is good for, for folks to understand that we've enjoyed is, is just listening to different people share how they've gotten to where they are, um, particularly from a faith perspective. Can you kind of share the Reader's Digest version, maybe, of, of Teresa Mull's faith walk? Certainly. I was uh, blessed to be born and raised by a devout Catholic family. So um, I'm a cradle Catholic, so to speak, and um, I... Then went to the University of Dallas, which is a wonderful liberal arts Catholic school in Irving, Texas. Um, so I was surrounded by some like-minded, um, faithful friends and there. Um, and since then, you know, I think having been spat out, so to speak, into the modern world, and I live in Washington, D.C. in the swamp, and I've traveled around and lived a few different places, um, I think it's kind of easy to take your faith for granted whenever you are surrounded by it and you're born that way, mm -hmm. you know, you're just taken to, to mass every week and you're kind of um, surrounded by family and friends who are also Catholic. And then I guess I sort of had a wake up call whenever I got into the big city of Washington, D.C. And I realized that not only was not everybody like minded, um, but there were some pretty evil forces at work out there. So. Um, that's part of what inspired me to write this book was that I've encountered so many people who are empty and searching for purpose in life and were not blessed to have the faith that I have been gifted with. And I'd like to share that with more people um, to find meaning in their life and to find a relationship with Christ. And um, I continue to try to strengthen my relationship with God. You know, it can get a little um, confusing out here in the world of woke. There are so many different messages going on out there, and many of them are manipulated. Um, so to try to navigate that, I've been um, trying to rely on the Holy Spirit and the sacra sacraments. I have a wonderful church group here that I've established back home. Um, so that is in a nutshell, my faith journey so cool. far. And so, I love how you said so far. So far yeah. <laughs> and good for you for figuring out that we hear a lot of times, typically not our guests. In fact, I could say never our guests, but we hear of, and people that we encounter, all, all of us day in and day out, of the person who had the, um, the upgrade, upbringing that you did, the education you did, and then got into places like Washington, D.C., and then just got totally overrun by mm -hmm. the different set of values, whether they just weren't ready to stand up to it or that they bought in. So good for you for being where you are. And clearly that's gotten us to where we are. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I love the fact that you're talking about having a faith, but not living it, right? Trying to bring other people to that truth. So that's a beautiful thing. Um, mm -hmm. Question for you, because I think there's the, the term woke has been an evolving term. And I've got my own definition I pulled, but can you describe and, and give us the real definition of what woke is? Yeah, I think that's part of the reason wokeness has been able to spread and it is so powerful. And the reason we talk about it all the time is because it's pretty difficult or 
Intentionally, I would say so, uh, to kind of nail down what exactly they're talking about. Um, and I argue in the book that that's on purpose. Um, so in I actually wrote the book and then wrote the introduction and was like, oh, I have to define wokeness. And it's kind of a, a slippery term. Um, so what I, I define it in the book as a sociopolitical ideology characterized by the manipulation of noble goals for the control and destruction of society. Um, All right, time out. Time out, time out, time out. You got to say that one more time. I'm, I'm sorry. Please okay. just, because that's, there's a lot in there. So please, if you don't mind, just repeat it. That would be super. I know it's in the book. But we're... <laughs> My smart friend, Mari, is pointing out. We're showing the book, him the book. <laughs> no, I want to hear it again. No, great words, yes. So uh, sociopolitical um, ideology, essentially, you know, just a, a way of thinking, mm -hmm. um, characterized by the manipulation of noble goals, such as diversity, equity, inclusion, social ju social justice, all those terms we hear bandied about um, for the control and destruction of society. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah. I would say uh, political correctness on steroids. Uh, there's nothing new about wokeness. It's just the language that they're using is updated. And I think it's uh, it's more extreme than it's ever been. But I would say that it's just a form of evil um, that's trying to bring about the same sort of evil that has always been and will always be as long as we're in a fallen world. Um, it's just the words are a little bit different now. Well, it's just interesting, too, because there was uh, a Saul Alinsky story who was a community activist out of Chicago, right. and he hijacked social justice to turn it into a Marxist, turn it into a communist view, to frankly take down the church. And they put together an entire plan. How do yeah. you take down the church from within Rules for and from without? And it was. So, I mean, it's, it's you definitely hit it. One definition I got, which look at, you may disagree with this, but somebody put out uh, recently was willingly overlooking known evil, which I found was interesting because some of the portions of that agenda bring out stuff that fundamentally as a Catholic and as a Christian is like, mm, that doesn't jive with, you know, Christ's teaching or what God intended. So where do we go with that? After well, the yeah, definition? yeah, so I, so ahead, I think there's go. a good question around that because the middle of your definition was talking about noble goals. And that's what we talked about when we first opened the show, right? That as Catholics, we are drawn to noble goals. We want people, we want to respect everybody. We want to be, we want people to be equal. We, we do believe that everybody is uh, born in the, the the likeness of our of God, right? We want to include everybody. We want to make sure that we're good stewards of this beautiful planet that God has given us, right? So there's a lot of the no nobility within that, but where is the problematic part that happens? And you kind of mention, right, that it's for the purpose of controlling and then destroying society. Can you take us to that um, a little deeper into that portion of it? Certainly, yeah, that definition that you just mentioned um, about willingly overlooking evil, I would say that that is accurate as far as the woke puppet masters go or the masterminds who are kind of pulling the strings, the heads of these corporations, um, you know, some lawmakers who purport to support woke um, agendas just for the purpose of their own gain. Like they don't actually believe it. They don't actually care about it. They're just doing it so that, you know, they get extra funding for their campaigns so they can have extra 
um, power so they can have extra money or, or things like that. Um, so I think there is a sect of society that does willingly overlook uh, the evils of society. But then I think there is a whole nother uh, group of people who are honestly taken in by wokeness and who see of course, diversity, equity, and inclusion are positive things. Of course, Black Lives Matter. Um, of course, you know, we should treat people who have homosexual tendencies with love. You know, love is love. That sounds very positive. There's, uh, you know, rainbow flags and parades and all these sorts of things for the LGBT movement. But whenever you uh, pull back the layers and you see how wokeness is actually brought about and what the fruits, so to speak, of, uh, of wokeness are, they're all completely rotten. You know, it, it says in, in scripture, by their fruits, you will know them, speaking of the false prophets. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine any more false prophets than the people who are peddling wokeness, because uh, you see, for instance, we'll, we'll take the LGBT movement and, and specifically transgenderism, which is a huge um uh, a goal of of the LG, or of the woke uh, masterminds is to get everybody confused about what their gender is, to um, mutilate themselves, to take hormones, to do all these horrible things to the bodies that God has gifted us with, and to change our natures. And you look at the fruits of that, for instance, um, the transgender. Uh, population has something like six times uh, the rate of depression and anxiety. Um, a suicide and sui- suicidal ideation is extremely high among this group. This is like encouraging people basically to be mentally ill, and it's just terrible. Um, you look at the other fruits, so to speak, that wokeness brings about, diversity, equity, and inclusion. It sounds nice. It's certainly noble things to want to achieve, but what it does is it encourages people and in some cases mandates people to look at things that are exterior rather than seeing somebody as a beautiful soul made in the image and likeness of God, regardless of their skin color or uh, their sex. It's actually putting the focus on those things and pitting people against each other over things that they can't help, <laughs> their, mm-hmm. you know, their their ethnicity and things like that. And it actually divides people rather than brings them together and objectifies people. Mm-hmm. Um, so for all the the noble goals that the woke movement purports to want to achieve, they are not achieving that. Our world is more alienated, more depressed, more divided um, than it ever has been. And the more wokeness takes hold, the more we see our misery just rise and skyrocket. So, yeah. folks, if you're just joining us, you're in the family room, and we're here today with Teresa Mall, and she's written a book. Uh, how to woke proof your life. I can't read the rest of that subtitle, but if there's an award to be given for having everything in the title of a book, Teresa, you get it. But it's a great, it, no, it's, 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 I think it's a great conversation that we're having. And, I, and you may have answered this, and I kind of have a, an opinion banging around in my brain that, that probably not appropriate to share right now. But the question I have was like the whole concept of woke, we, I guess we said was noble causes, or, or were noble causes or noble ideals. Was woke ever okay and it just got hijacked or has it kind of always been the the proverbial wolf in sheep's clothes? I think the latter. I think the people who are pushing wokeness the hardest and who have always been pushing it know exactly what they're doing. I do think they are intent on evil. I think that they um, want to agitate everybody, to pit us against one another, mm-hmm. to make us 
you know, in some instances, maybe they want us to be mentally ill. I say mentally, they rely on a mentally compromised society because whenever you're disturbed, whenever you take God out of the picture, whenever you you are extremely anxious, you're looking for meaning and validation. And then the woke movement sweeps in and says, oh, I have the answer. You know, um, maybe you should change your gender or maybe you should self-identify as something else or maybe you should demand reparations from your neighbor. You know, they have all the answers and all the solutions, quote unquote, but uh, they aren't able to to be the ones in charge and to control everyone else unless they they stir everybody up and pit everybody against one another. So I think that was the agenda all along. Um, you know, if you really want social justice, you actually set the playing field and, and make things actually equal and, and actually e- even. You don't... Um, you know, set one race against another and say one is better than the other. You know, you you truly make people equal, and they they have never done that. That's not what they're about. Yeah, it's not building the kingdom of God. It just it clearly isn't. And and I the opinion that I would share is, is you've said it several times. Two things: one is the elimination of God, and two is division, division, division. And we know whose hand is yeah, division. Yeah. Right. right? It's, it's Satan. It's right. and, and a lot mm-hmm. of that's not a popular concept in a lot of places but the fact of the matter is he is the great divider and the great liar and so here we are right you know what you're the the fruits what struck me from what you've said so far are look at the fruits yes, look at the fruits right was... and i'm thinking for those of us who follow god and who who are going after noble purposes we are we're looking for unity for hope for freedom that's what life in christ offers you know unity hope and freedom and, and you do say in your book and you've just said here that the woke agenda instead leads to division, fear, and control. And so if you're looking, right, if you're looking at things and thinking about things, huh, how are you feeling right now? Are you feeling hope and freedom and unity? Or are you feeling divided? Are you feeling fearful? Are you feeling controlled? Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too. Part of that whole agenda is blaming you for exactly what they're doing, right? You all are the oppressive ones because you won't let us be who we are or you won't, uh, you know, let us just do whatever we want, which is is interesting, again, because um, it's so counter to God. It's so counter to, you know, knowing there's a higher power like God that made us who we are uniquely and wonderfully made. Right. You need to be upset because you are a white male and you are toxic and all these negative things. So you want me to uh, go against God and my whole identity, which now you're making myself God, right? Because I can choose who I want to be. So I'm sorry, I went off on a tangent. My apologies, Teresa. But, (laughs) um, you know, the other thing is empathy, right? Empathy is a wonderful thing. It it draws us into understanding people. But you make I think you relate to a term called toxic empathy. Again, Mm -hmm. pull that apart for us. Yeah, that's a phrase I came across while I was researching this for doing research for this book. And um, it was coined not by me, but by another author. And he describes it as um, essentially whenever you see somebody doing something that's harmful, um, whether it be spending their money unwisely, gambling too much, drinking too much, maybe they gained weight, maybe they're in a relationship that is bad for them. 
um, you know, making unhealthy choices for their body and soul. And rather than say something to that person, you sit back quietly and watch them do it. Or in some cases, you might even celebrate it. You know, somebody um, is in a toxic relationship, they get engaged, you say, yay, congratulations, because you're too afraid to have that person not like you. Um, And that is, of course, a natural inclination. We all want to be liked. you know, we, we all have our egos, and it's nobody wants to be called a homophobe. Nobody wants to be called a racist or a bigot or any of those things. But I think that our fear of that and our toxic empathy um, is how we pretty much got to the, the woke crisis that we are in right now because – um, the thing about, I would say, you know, more conservative-minded and traditional-minded people and certainly Christians is that we are actually tolerant. We are the tolerant ones, and we don't – I know personally I hate confrontation more than anything, and I don't like to make people uncomfortable. I don't like to make a scene. I am more likely to sit back and just kind of, you know, go along to get along. Um, but that's what's gotten us to this point where maybe that was – I would say it's, it was never okay, but at least, you know, it, it could happen in the world without affecting us so much. But now it's gone on so long, and we have been empathetic in a toxic way for so long that wokeness has been able to take hold. And now, you know, it used to be kind of a live and let live attitude that a lot of people had. And, you know, so long as you don't bother me with it, I don't care what you do. But now wokeness very much is bothering us with their radical agendas and um our children, especially as we see in so many public schools, what's being taught, critical race theory, um, drag queens reading story hour to little preschoolers, things like that. Um, not only are they bothering us with it, with it, but in many cases they're forcing it on us and they're forcing us to pay for it. And sometimes if you don't participate in it, you can lose your job, you know, be canceled, censored, all of these things. Um, so it's certainly certainly time to speak out if you haven't up to this point. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it makes it so that we're afraid to do anything, right? So you either want to run away and um, mm-hmm. go into the country somewhere and live off the grid and grow your own vegetables and fruit and all the rest of it, right? Um, or, you know, because you've got that on one end, you feel like the, your, your only other option is to go celebrate all of it. But there's a middle ground, and that's what you're talking about in your book. So can you tell us a little bit more about what is what does that middle ground look like to give us some hope for how do we enter in and what do we what do we do Right. Yeah. I don't want people to think that I'm advocating for sticking our head in the ground or, you know, going and becoming Amish or anything. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm surrounded by amazing Amish people who <laughs> say where you are. Yeah. Sometimes I'm, I'm tempted to go join them. <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, I make the analogy in the book to waterproof, to something that is waterproof. So, you know, if there's a storm raging outside, it doesn't mean that you can't go outside. You just have to put on a great Vortex ring jacket and some nice knee-high welly boots and maybe uh, a really nice umbrella, and you're armed and you're ready, and you can go out in the world, and even though it's storming, it's, it's, you're not going to get wet. So it's the same thing with woke-proofing your life. It's about arming your soul, your spirit, your mind, your heart um, with knowledge and truth and um, so that whenever you go out into the world, the wokeness doesn't really make a dent, and it doesn't affect you. The evil just, you know, washes right off, doesn't doesn't harm you in any way. And also to build a community and a home home life that is um, that is not affected by wokeness as well. So uh, a virtuous, 
um, home life, a virtuous community that you are part of and that you are building up kind of from the bottom up as wokeness descends upon us. We are standing firm and saying, no, uh, I do not want to take part in this. I will not contribute to your woke corporation or to your your woke um, school system or, or many of these things that we see oppressing us. And um, we're building up ourselves instead so that we're firm, so that whenever the woke forces come for us, um, they, they don't they don't make a dent. I want to get to the practical parts of it, but um, the it's important. Man, just listening to you speak, you have really good insights. Um, but it, I, the problem just flies in our face, or at least it's flying in mine, because I know that there are people... Who, that I know and, and associate with who perceive woke for less than a, the def, difficult thing that it is, the wrongness of it. And I, and, and I'm thinking, no, we're going to take a stand. We're going to talk woke is bad. And, and, and we're going to, we're going to get dinged. We're going to get dinged for saying, oh, how can you, how can you speak against that? So if you, if you are self-defined as a, a timid person and go along to get along, you've done a fine <laughs> job coming out of your shell in this book. I'll, just, I'll tell you that. But let's we we we, we, we'll have to go to a break before we're all done with it. But maybe help us just um, I love the analogy of you can go out in the world or a storm if you put a raincoat on. I think that's a really good analogy. But what are what are some practical steps? What are some of the raincoats and boots that ordinary people can put on who want to be good, but but also want to, you know, not get woke in the woke mess? I advise is um, a little life hack that I stole, stole from scripture, which is seek ye first, of course, um, to find faith if you don't have it. And if you are a person of faith, to strengthen that faith and share it with others as much as possible. And I have some tips in the book. I talked to um, a Catholic priest as well as um, a Protestant woman who has written about the value of church communities. Um, so a, a few different perspectives there about how both to strengthen your, your faith and to find it if you don't have it. Because, you know, as I said in the introduction, I, I was blessed to grow up in a, in a faithful uh, family, but not everybody has that. And you can just say, well, go find God. You'll be fine. It's not that easy. You know, you can't just flip a switch always <laughs> um, to, to do that. But so I have some tips in there about what to do for people who are seeking faith and and people who maybe who have never considered going to church or praying, I encourage them, you know, what, what do you have to lose? You know, the world, look, the, the, what the woke world is offering you is nothing but misery and heartache. And so, you know, if, if the alternative that you've never tried is a church, then, you know, why not? See, see, what, see what happens. Just give it a try. You have nothing to lose. Um, educate yourself. I have a, a section in there, too, about the value of classical education, learning from the greatest thinkers of the last several centuries. You know, we have so many wise philosophers and saints and just even literature, you know, people um, like C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, people like that who have wrestled with the problems that we're facing today. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. So, um to go to those sources and to learn from them and to arm your your mind and your heart with that and um i have several other things but of course we can discuss those after <laughs> yeah break. no that's perfect let's <laughs> yeah. let, let's do that yes yeah, so we're going to head on into break so listeners if you're just here with us we are speaking with Teresa mole and we want to hear more of her wisdom after this break we'll be right back inside the family room in moments sponsored by verse on the quest 
In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Did you know that if you were born after 1973, one-fourth of your generation is missing? Perhaps that's why so many people longing for their soulmates have not been able to find them. They may have been aborted. Have you wondered who will find the cure for Alzheimer's, cancer, or diabetes? God may have already sent someone to discover those cures, but someone's choice ended their life before it began. Society tells us that we are alive because of our mother's choice. The world says that your worth comes from your convenience to others, but the maker of this world tells us otherwise. You are created in the image and likeness of God, full of dignity, and no one can take that away from you. So be not afraid. Let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. This is Father Kevin Peek, a priest of the Archdiocese of Atlanta, and this is my favorite prayer, the breastplate of St. Patrick. Let us pray. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. Amen. This is Lisa Popchek from More to Life. Catholic Radio changes lives. It's for you, with you, every single day. Whether you're rejoicing over something and you need a community to share that with, or you're struggling with something and you need a community to support you. We're here for you every day to teach you about your faith and to help you live it. This is your home, and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge. But this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like More to Life available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of Catholic radio. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now. We'll talk to you soon. To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. We're back in the family room, sponsored by Versprite. Right here on AM 1160, The Quest. We are here with Teresa Mull, who is the author of a book called Woke Proof Your Life, a handbook on escaping modern political madness and shielding yourself and your family by living a more self-sufficient, fulfilling life. And right before the break, you were talking to us about um, some very practical steps that we can take. Um, uh, we'd made it through the first three. Um, we're on the edge of our seats for more, but one of our traditions in the family room is right after break, we ask our um, guests to talk about their favorite family room memory. So we are going to interrupt the um, practical tips for a minute and ask you, Teresa, what was one of your favorite family room memories? My favorite family room memory is um, one that actually 
still occurs, just occurred yesterday. It's called Bacon and Egg Day. And (laughs) (laughs) it's, um, I actually refer to it in the book. Um, It's something that my family and I do every Thursday because we don't eat meat on Friday. So we make kind of make Thursday extra special by having bacon or ham or, you know, some sort of delicious salty meat dish. Um, (laughs) Really get that in there. It's kind of like a mini fat Tuesday every Thursday. Um, And it just... (laughs) It's a, it's a cute thing that we all get excited for. I go over to my parents' house, and um, I look forward to it. I really do. Whenever I realize that it's bacon and egg day, I kind of get, like, extra <laughs> excited. And it's more of like a, a, a brunch, lunch kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and we usually have, you know, some delicious toast and, and tea and coffee. It's just like a big, delicious breakfast. Um, and it's it's a simple thing, but it's those sorts of things that I think really make your life rich and rewarding. It doesn't cost a lot. It's pretty easy to do, but it brings us together and it gives us something to look forward to. And we bond and, and it's just a fun little a little thing that we've incorporated. And yeah, it's the best. Cool. That was not static, by the way. That was my stomach rumbling. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's funny, too, the smile on her face proves yeah, that, how much like... she enjoys that. So that's awesome. Well, I also love the fact that it's kind of in the middle of the work week a little bit, you know, I mean, toward the mm-hmm. end of it. But, yeah, so it's kind of Thursday nice. is the new Friday. I know. There, that's, cool. I'm, I'm thinking I might have to incorporate that into no, that's our great. house. That's, that's pretty cool. So we're back. I think to, we, we asked you about some practical steps that ordinary folks could take, and you recounted for us, you know, I thought profound. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, right? So it's scriptural. Um, be faith-filled. Um, uh, you refer to a classical education. Um, I, I could go an hour on a classical education. I'm not going to do that to you. Um, what, what? Finish it up for us, if you would, Teresa, please. Sure. Yeah. So, educating yourself, your friends, and your family, um, and if you're blessed. To have children, I joke in the book that it's that's the easy way to educate yourself because as you're educating them, if you're able to homeschool them or you're helping them with their classical homework, things like that, I go through different options for parents um, to homeschool, charter schools, private schools, things like that. Even if you're sending your child to a public school, I talk to a woman who is very traditional and conservative and sends her child to a public school in Seattle, of all places, and wow. she assures us that your child is not doomed, that there are ways to make sure that your child Uh, comes out of public school unscathed, um, and that is to remember that you are the primary educator of your child, to talk to your child frequently, to see what he's learning, what he's reading, seeing, absorbing, all those things, and we should do. We should be doing that with ourselves just as much, you know, safeguarding our senses, which brings me to the, the third thing that I advise people. I have a big section in the book on technology. I think that it's very easy, and I have experienced this myself, uh, to be lulled into the ease and the comfort and the convenience of all the wonderful, amazing technology we have in our lives. Um, but I think sometimes it can be a little bit of a disservice to God and the gifts that he's given us and the creation that he's provided for our enjoyment. You know, you can sit on your couch and two clicks, and next thing you know, all the groceries you need for the week are delivered on your porch the next day, thanks to Amazon. And um, though that's an amazing technology, it's you don't have to use all the technology all the time for everything. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you can go out of your way and grow some of your own food or or create something, um, you know, make, make your own throw pillow, something like that. So taking up hobbies and uh, activities, pastimes, maybe, maybe you just choose one and you, and you learn how to do something and, 
um, that will lead you to a richer, more fulfilling life that that makes you more fully alive and uh, uses the senses that God has given you. I also encourage people to build a community through hobbies, clubs, organizations, things like that have kind of fallen by the wayside. I know where I live, the the nonprofits and and other organizations are always looking for volunteers, and um, you know they used to have so many people that they didn't know what to do with them, and now it seems like um, the, a lot of these groups are, are folding up and going away because nobody wants to leave their house; they just want to sit at home and and scroll through TikTok or whatever it is. Um, so really focus on building a community, and then. Um, being a conscientious consumer as well is something that I think a lot of people are interested in, but they can be very easily intimidated by it. I have a list of woke companies to try to boycott if you can in the book, and it's pretty long. And a lot of them are, I call them umbrella companies. You know, they have like, oh, I don't need to buy Nabisco, but, you know, they also own 10 other brands that you, that you use and that you love and have become a staple of American society. So I have some tips for how to to, you can micro boycott, you know, choose maybe one thing that you can stop using or find an alternative brand and then add more as you're able. Um, maybe you can do without. And, you know, there's great uh, grace to be gained by sacrificing here and there. And as you find that you're using your phone less, you're relying less on technology, you find that you have more free time. Mm-hmm. And that ties into volunteering, hobbies, creating community, um, enriching your life that in ways that don't involve a screen. And I think that, you know, I've experienced certainly how that can bring you closer to Christ and, and make you realize how great God is whenever you're not just absorbed in all the wokeness that's going on, largely through the mainstream media and through social media. So it all kind of ties together. Whenever you start doing one, then you're able to do another. And it's it's sort of a whole alternative um lifestyle that that is an alternative to wokeness but um certainly you know you're still part of the world in the world but not of the world yeah and you know as you're talking i'm also feeling a lot of the peace and joy that comes you know if i think about peaceful things or things that bring a lot of joy they have to do with community they have to do with volunteering and giving back to others they have to do with um using my senses and my gifts in in ways that god offers them to me so yeah, just you talking about those things, I'm already feeling less anxious and frustrated and angry and all the things that sometimes, like you said, what we're um, consuming through social media and stuff starts to innervate in us instead. Go. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you didn't say community. Yeah, consuming you. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, no, sorry for interrupting, but I was going to say, if you didn't say community once, you didn't <laughs> say it a hundred times. <laughs> and I think that that's the truth of what's yeah. going on in all of this stuff, whether it's the COVID stuff. You know, the more you break up community, the less yeah. empathetic we really are and whatever. Right. And I actually heard you on some, some other um, uh, media talking about how, you know, when homes were built early on, they had front porches. So that you could sit there and watch your neighbor walk by and wave to them and talk to them and have conversations with them. Now we put them in the backyard so nobody sees you and you can do whatever you want. Uh, um, but it's funny because um, our, our listeners can't see you and you, you obviously look like a, a nice young lady that is talking like an older lady. You know, uh, like, you know, bringing back nostalgia like, oh, well, back in the 20s, you know, it was like this or back in the 30s, it was like that. <laughs> and... Um, there's really nothing wrong with that, but 
you know, obviously in today's world, we're being challenged by what would be considered nostalgic ideas. And, you know, people saying that's bygone times. You want us back, you know, for a woman pregnant in the kitchen and all the other nonsense. What do you say to people who challenge those ideas of what, you know, we're looking at as nostalgic? Yeah, I'm certainly an old soul, I would say. And part of that is the fact that I do live somewhere that's more old fashioned. You know, um, I live in a small town that's kind of stuck a little bit. I wouldn't say, you know, the 20s, but maybe like the 80s. I don't know. <laughs> People obviously <laughs> Not quite Mayberry. here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little bit like that. Um, you know, we certainly have our problems just like anywhere, but we do have kind of a more slow paced uh society and culture where people stop and talk to each other and you know your neighbor and you know it's weird for me to go anywhere and not bump into someone I know um so I've been able to experience that and that's what I want to share with people who have maybe have forgotten how wonderful that is or who have who who are younger and have never experienced that and to those people who kind of reject it as like oh silly nostalgia I say well you know look look what modernity has brought about are you happier after you scrolled through instagram for two and a half hours a day or i think that's the average time that an an american adult spends on social media and um then i have studies also plenty of statistics in the book for people who maybe have their doubts the downing thomases of the world that proves how um stress and anxiety levels go up whenever you spend so much time on your screens and how all these things that i describe in the book like eye contact um i have a, a my favorite study in the book is about the power of tiny interactions and that's you know talking to the the clerk at the post office and asking about you know how her cat's doing after it it you know her paw or things like that you know those simple little things that um, we we take for granted or, or we're used to do, and now we don't do them anymore. They're really powerful, and I I would say that's God's way, obviously, of showing us that we should be doing more of those things. And whenever we get away from it, um, science and God to show us how miserable we become. So mm-hmm. I think it's very obvious that we were designed to take care of one another. And um, for people who don't believe me, that that the old old ways, the, the Walton's kind of ideal <laughs> is not a good one, I would say, you know, is what we're doing now better and why and how? Because we're all, you know, it's, it's chaos out there. Our, our mental health crisis and just the misery and the hustle and bustle and everyone's so busy and, and I don't think that we're happier or better off. Yeah, I agree I pre- with that. yeah, exactly. And I appreciate how you're encouraging us to just slow down and really look at the fruit. Once again, you started with that. But even as you're talking about it now, I'm thinking about slow down and look at the fruit in your own life. What? what how are you feeling? Right. How has mm-hmm. your day gone? If you do any kind of Ignatian examine at the end of the day, we've talked about that before. What did go well? What didn't go well? Where were your moments of joy? Where did you see God? Did you slow down enough to actually hear God at any point in time in your day? And we were put down here for community and for each other. Do we get to do that? So I really appreciate the way in your book, as you just said, you've got research, you've got statistics for those people who need and want that information. And you also have scripture. You've got scripture in there. You've got quotes from theologians and and modern day Christians as well. And I think that that's helpful to to really um, make these points uh, very clear. So if you are just tuning in, you are here in the family room and we are speaking with Teresa Mull, who wrote a book called Woke Proof Your Life. 
um, you know, as we talk about community and as we talk about being able to slow down and interact with people, one of the things that I know starts to make some of us anxious sometimes is because we don't know where people are coming from these days. You know, we don't know how much they've consumed of um, various agendas. And so we almost avoid each other because we don't want to get into conversations and come across as being unkind or intolerant of somebody else. You know, us woke-proofing um, ourselves, we, we want to make sure that it doesn't turn us into becoming intolerant or becoming aggressive in any other way. So do you have some advice about that, Teresa? Yeah, I encourage people to always, of course, um, lead with compassion. You don't mm-hmm. have to be preachy about your viewpoints, but um, first and foremost, to lead by example. You know, I, I have a section in, in the book about what to do if you encounter a an organization, maybe a restaurant or something that's promoting, you know, Transgender Day or something like that. And maybe you would like to patronize that place, but, um, you know, your values and your beliefs um, won't allow you to, and you don't have to be mean about it. You can just tell management or write them a polite letter that explains your view and why you disagree with it and um, how you would like to support their business, but you're unable to because of your conscience. And just be really polite about it and, and lead others because, Living a, a, a Catholic life is beautiful. It does bring about joy, and we are called to be role models and not to hide our faith under a bushel basket. I encourage people also to pray to the Holy Spirit to guide them whenever mm-hmm. they are out in the world and and um, to to ask for the words for, for the Holy Spirit to guide you, to let you know whenever and how you are to be an example to other people. Because some people, as we mentioned, you know, maybe have never encountered somebody who believes the way that you do and who lives the way that you do. So lead by example. And, um, you know, I, I have some tips in there, too, about, you know, you don't have to be obnoxious about it, but maybe just let it be known that you're you're not a woke person, not in a mean way, but maybe say something like, oh, I'll pray for you. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if I also have a lot of arguments against so many of the woke weapons that we see, diversity, equity, inclusion, ESG, climate change, all those those weapons that the woke are using, um, I have kind of the, the argument against them so that you can arm yourself with. So whenever you are mm-hmm. encountered by woke rhetoric, you can say yes, but, and then explain to them in a polite, gentle way why they're wrong. Um, and I think that the more wokeness spreads and the more people embrace it and the more miserable it makes them, there will be kind of the silver lining turning back to faith. Um, we, we don't want to get to that point, but uh, I do I do think that if we show our joy and our faith in the world, that it will change a lot of hearts and minds. Right. We want to be winsome. We want to be people they want to turn back to, right? We want to be offering yep. that hope. Yeah. But I think, too, what you said, though, that, you know, we don't know what's going on with some of these people right. we're encountering. Right. I think that's a huge thing to keep in mind because some pro-life person, it may have been Chris Stefanik was doing a pro-life talk and he was getting shouted at and somebody in the back said, you know, I wish I had never been born. And mm. he was like, okay, time out. Wow. And went to find, find the person afterwards because that statement says something about the brokenness of them, right? right. I'm supporting abortion because something bad happened in my life. Right. And I think we do. I mean, your comment about, you know, praying to the Holy Spirit, you know, when we have any one of these encounters, he'll give us the wisdom and the light to be engaging, but be very, you know, um, loving right. toward these people and trying to understand where they came from instead of, you know, look, I'm, a, I'm the fighter that's always, I'm going to argue with you and tell you why. 
And I'm I'm wrong so much of the time. John's smiling because well, it's because like, you're equipped. You're like yeah. six thousand feet tall, and, <laughs> and I've got a big mouth and a big head to go with it. But now the whole idea is, you know, asking the right questions. Yeah. You know, why do you think this? Why? Where is this coming from? Right. And causing them to think. You know, yeah. I'm sure the yeah. answers in your book are ask the questions that cause people to think, not just I'm telling you you're wrong. Right. You, right. Yeah. John's so, laughing. No, 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 no. This 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 is great. And I I'm compelled to say, Teresa Mull, you are an interesting human being. Because if I just read the title of your book yep. and knew nothing about you and knew conceptually what you're gonna do, I would say this is gonna be a powerful like you were just saying, Craig, here's how it is. And I feel like if I was gonna push against you, I would be pushing against ten thousand pounds of felt. You're not moving, but I don't come away with bruises. Ah, that's a great you know what way I mean? to say it. Yeah. And it's like there's a gentleness, but it's like I work with a lot of very strong women, and, and I'm very grateful for it. And, and you remind me of that. They, they have a principle. I call them my iron fist and a velvet glove, right? You're, you're even different than that. I mean, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very grateful that you're spending this time with us and that you've done what you've chosen to do. Um, what, what we want is old souls aren't old souls necessary so much as we're just good souls and we're all good souls we all were given our last interview was all about we're good mm -hmm. souls we're not problems right we might have problems but i don't know if this is appropriate you know when you study traditional catholicism you learn of virtues and you learn of vices right and for every vice there's an offsetting virtue i'm wondering is it appropriate to think of some of the key components of woke and say, this is the thing, diversity, right? Or or how woke uses diversity. And then this is an appropriate response to that. Would that be a cool little exercise to try? Like with the Catholic? Yeah, so this is this is the woke thing. And then this is a Catholic response to that. Or, or this is the Catholic principle. Around. Catholic principle around. Thank you. That's a better way to say that. What do, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Look. Yeah. So where would you start? Well, the problem with wokeness is that they do manipulate so many terms. So... There's not really, you know, a downside to diversity. God made so many different people, mm -hmm. and we all have our unique gifts and abilities, and, and we're all beautiful made in, in, in His image and likeness. But what they celebrate in diversity is just, as we mentioned, you know, picking one race and putting it against another, and then people trying to one-up each other. It's like, well, I'm an African-American. It's like, okay, well, I'm an African-American woman. It's like, well, I'm an African-American trans woman. And <laughs> So, um, you know, of course, Catholics celebrate diversity and they celebrate the, the beauty of, of everybody's different characteristics, but we don't pit them against each other. We, we see that as a beautiful, unifying tapestry. Um, so it's really about taking their, what they are pushing and using and realizing why these things are actually noble and how they should be properly viewed. The same thing with equality. My friend I was talking to, he said, you say that equality is a noble thing, but it's really not because that is basically affirmative action where you pick one group of, of people and put them in, and make them more equal, so to speak. You know, some are more equal than others. Um, and I said, well, yeah, if you're woke, that's what you do, but that's not what equality actually means so we really have to get back to truth and and what what true virtue is whenever we're talking about all these terms before you go further and, and i'll let you but what you said reminded me of something that is i think beautiful about catholicism so as catholics we do celebrate diversity 
and it's part of our, our rich tradition. Case in point, the mass is the source and summit, mm-hmm. right? And no matter what language, mm-hmm. no matter what country, you go to mass, you, you don't have a clue the words that are being said, but you know precisely what's going on. Yeah, sure. And yeah. It's, I think that's just, I don't think it's an accident yeah. that, that that is the source and summit. I mean, clearly we're talking about the body of Christ, the Eucharist, the real presence. But in addition to that, the whole thing is a very diverse universality. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that cool, that, <laughs> yeah. that beautiful yeah. contradiction, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a paradox, I guess. Yeah. Maybe well, and as you're talking about, what I'm what I'm harking back to is earlier in the conversation when you said educate yourself, get a classical education. Um, it's kind of like, you know, we, you hear how people are able to tell what's a fake um, dollar bill and the way that they figure out what a fake dollar bill is, they go and examine the real dollar bill. And to be able to say if something's counterfeit, they have to know the true dollar bill, every every part of it, how it feels, how it smells, every detail within it, and that is the way that they are then able to see if they see if there's a counterfeit bill, they can see. And so you're telling us to do the same thing: go seek the truth, go read mm-hmm. scripture, get to know your faith, get to know um, these classical writers who have wrestled with these concepts and see what the church teaches, see what theologians have taught, and know what truth is so that when it the counterfeit, um, the breaking down of the noble idea and the counterfeit is thrust upon you, you will be very quickly able to see the difference. Is that mm-hmm. go along with what you're kind of sharing with us? Absolutely, yeah. And I interview um, a, a man who runs a classical Christian academy, and he does programs for adults as well. And he described true education as being planted. You know, that's, that's from Scripture as well. The wise man is planted by a stream where he is nourished by truth and wisdom, and he is not caught up in the changing world. He's not caught up in what's the new expression um, for for that wokeness is peddling, you know, it's really hard to keep track of what you're allowed to call people or what, you know, is was was okay yesterday is racist today. And, and that's not what wisdom is about. It's about the things that are transcendent and that never change. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, we find that in Christ. Um, so he talks about being planted and rooted. So whenever you're rooted in truth and knowledge and wisdom, you're not going to be really upset by all the wokeness. You're like an oak tree that mm-hmm. is, is being held down by all of these great works and these truths that we have that sustain us and keep us from just going floundering about in this chaotic world yeah and then when you're truly rooted then you can offer love you can offer compassion you can offer prayer you can offer empathy like craig was talking about a few minutes ago and when you're confronted by something that in the past would make you angry or frustrated or want to fight back instead you quiet your heart and you pray and you seek to understand what's going on in this person's life where maybe are they um feeling uh feeling hurt or wounded or something. Teresa, this time has gone by so quickly. We are already at the end of our time with you, and we so much appreciate um, you writing this book and, um, and and all the research you did for it. Would you do us the, the honor of praying for our listeners as we close out today? Yes, certainly. Um, Dear God, thank you for this time that we spent together. Please let it be fruitful for all of the listeners and um, for ourselves. 
please um, help us to know your will in this world and help us to cast all of our anxieties on you to find our peace and our purpose. Help us also always to know that you are there to guide us and to love us and to lead us to heaven and help us to be stewards of your word and um, to realize that so many of the people we encounter are thirsting for you and help us to lead them to, to your love and to know you and help us to help one another in this woke world. Um, in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Teresa, for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I loved it. And thank you, dear listeners, for being with us here in the family room. Join us again next week where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.